Hello and welcome to Driftwood Theology, my podcast that carves theology from the ideas that float through my life. I'm Andrew Smith. Today's Driftwood is tools. I was in my father's shed during the week. He died earlier this year, so it meant I had time in that shed to myself. I could see the pliers, the mallet, the timber saws and more. He hadn't replaced them since I was a child, so it felt familiar to be around them. It was easy to see them all, because they were all up on hooks, up on the walls. I remembered as a kid wanting to use those tools. Sometimes I wanted to use them when he was in the middle of a project, and sometimes when he wasn't. And sometimes it just wasn't a convenient time for him, so he got a little frustrated about it. And sometimes he was patient about it. He'd set me up with some scrap timber, whatever the tool was, and a few instructions, and let me have at it. I wasn't trying to make anything in particular, but the very idea of using the tools to do something was enough. These were the big tools, the grown-up tools. You know, they weren't plastic, they weren't just a a fully wooden hammer knocking timber pegs into something. They weren't kid-friendly, they weren't safe. It was actual timber, actual tools, actual nails, all those things. Like I said, sometimes he'd give a few basic instructions supervise me. Other times I would just sneak over to his workspace and take what I wanted. That meant I either had to remember what he had said or figure it out for myself. But at some stage I had learned about it from him. He showed me the tools, how to use them and what they could do. Far enough back in human history there weren't any tools. Someone invented each one for a need, for a result. To attach timber together, someone invented hammers and pegs, or nails, or screws, or adhesives, or joinery. Turning grass seeds into flour needs grinding, but there are are grinding stones and windmills, and watermills, and porcelain grinders, and steel grinders. The need creates the tool, and the tool creates the method. But the way each person uses a tool will also have individual style. The way I mow a lawn might not be the same as the way my neighbour does it. It reminds me of the idea that there are like two kinds of people in the world. Those who know how to stack a dishwasher and those who don't. And that they end up marrying each other. At some point the argument about how we use something could be resolved by asking whether the job was done or not. Is the timber joined strongly enough? Do we have enough flour to make bread? Is the grass shorter now? Are the dishes clean now? Lately, I've also been rereading Paul's letter to the Romans. Throughout that letter, he wrestles with the idea of God's plan for the world and for Israel. He tries to work through the role of the law in guiding people towards what is right by God, while also seeing that there are people who just do what is right, but have never encountered the law. At one point in chapter 2, he writes... When Gentiles who don't possess the law do instinctively what the law requires, these people, even though they don't have the law, they're a law to themselves. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts. For Paul, the Gentiles have made flour without being shown how to use the grinding stones. Again, for Paul, insisting on correct flour grinding technique 
that ignores the actual production of flour is the problem. Imagine using the grinding stones without putting any grain down. Anyway, Paul is maybe close to saying that the ends justifies the means in this case. People who bring about God's justice and righteousness are God's people, whether they have the law or not. Uh, eventually in the letter, sometime around chapter 12, he describes what the ends are, and that they're driven by love and sacrifice, humility, and more. For these, he's willing to say that it doesn't matter how you get there. In describing that, to- that goal in terms of behaviours and virtues, he excludes the worst kind of interpretation that the ends justifies the means. He, perhaps anticipating Kierkegaard's question in fear and trembling, won't allow for the teleological suspension of the ethical. What I mean, he means that he won't allow for people to break all the rules just to make a perfect world. He won't allow for God's justice to be implemented through murder and torture, for example. Church history is full of this problem. Colonisation, crusades the sectarian wars, and so much more. It's a history that we have to admit, to own, to repent from, and to make right. I mean, we could say that the ends justifies the means, having the law or not having the law. The ends that Paul describes becomes the means as well. The ends are the means. To bring about God's reality, we need to live out God's ways. We need to have joined timber, flour that's ready for baking, healthy gardens, and clean dishes. Now I hinted at Kierkegaard's book, Fear and Trembling. There's no way that a, a single sentence or a hint will ever do that book justice, and that's probably why I didn't go too deeply into it. But for a bit of further reading, I will link to the Kierkegaard entry at the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Section 4 is the part you're probably interested in there. It's a summary of, at least from that book, that view of ethics. I'm still available on Facebook. You can find it slash Driftwood Theology. And I'm still on Twitter. Yes, still there, even though I hear it's under new management. Um, but I'm still there as AMG Smith. So feel free to find me and follow me there. And now, this episode is Driftwood for you. What will you carve out of it?